Well, I'm so glad that you're here tonight. I'm glad I'm here tonight. I'm glad the Lord is here tonight. Wow. You know, he has always shown up. I love what Greg said earlier about, I mean, it's the most amazing thing that, you know, the Word says that, that God would dwell in vessels of clay anyway. It's just so amazing that with everything wonderful and excellent that's going on in the heaven, that God lowers himself and comes and visits, and not only that, but tabernacles among us and wants to be with us and enjoys our company and enjoys us. You know, God likes you. Did you know that, that God likes you? <laughs> I get amazed. I think it's, it's just something. But it's just so precious of the Lord. And, and anyway, I'm, I'm glad that you're here, but I'll tell you what Todd asked me tonight. He says, well, how long a tape do we want tonight? Because you haven't been here in three <laughs> sessions. <laughs> I said, yeah, it's probably going to be like a fire hose and stuff. <laughs> you know, I have so much to say. But I told him, no, just regular tape. We're not going to go. <laughs> no, no, no. No, we're not doing that. The guys have already told me they're exhausted from their trip. I already said, nobody's sleeping through this tonight, I guarantee you. But, um, but you know, I, <laughs> I know. I, I did that one time. I did do that two-hour sermon one time, but that's not tonight. So, aren't we glad? Well, anyway. Anyway, yes. Well, tonight we're glad. I know. We said, well, we love you, Pastor, and we love you teaching, but boy, tonight, I just don't know. <laughs> well, I believe that the Lord has renewed your strength this evening and that God has given you ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Amen. Tonight, um, I'm, I'm really excited about the things that God has been laying upon my heart the last several weeks. And tonight, my topic is destiny spirit. Destiny spirit is a phrase that's been going off in me for the last couple of years, over and over again. And many times, I've had people who have come to our church, and, and if they've been here a while, they've said to me, this is the first place I ever heard about destiny. It's the first place I ever knew that I had a destiny. There is a destiny spirit. There's a sense of purpose that God didn't save you just because you could just sit there and do nothing or, or warm a place in, in church. But God has a purpose that we have a destiny to fulfill. You know, it's kind of like the, um, you know, the Star Trek uh, motto, to go where no man has gone before. There is a place in God, a place in the Spirit, that very few people have tapped into. Very few people have tapped into it. The destiny spirit is a pioneering spirit. And it is a sense of, I know that I was created for more than this. How many of you felt that way? I know life is more than this. I know I was created for more than this. There's a destiny spirit on the inside of us that cries out, for purpose and for meaning and to rise above the restrictions and the limitations that have been placed upon us in the world. Oh <laughs> we're going we're gonna to bust through and come out of the limit. I'm telling you, the devil is in trouble. The devil is in trouble. And, there, and the thing is that there are things in the Bible. You know, we've read them for years. We've seen them for years. This afternoon I was in the house and I had a CD playing and, and this song was playing over the CD and it was going, all things are possible, all things are possible. I, I mean, we know that, all things are possible. We've said it, we've quoted it, we've sung it, we've prayed it. We've, I mean, for all our lives, all things are possible, all things are possible. And I started to giggle and I thought, what if the Bible's really true? <laughs> 
You see, we believe the Bible's true, but in some ways we don't know that the Bible's true. There are some things that we believe right here, but we aren't walking in them. There are some limitations that have been put upon us by the enemy that we're getting freed up from. The Bible says in Psalm 138.8, it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. It's one of my favorite verses. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The NIV says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. God has a distinct, a unique, a glorious purpose for the members of the body of Christ that very few have tapped into it even though the way has been made by Jesus Christ. There is a glory that has been reserved for this generation that has not yet been revealed. There have been a few individuals here and there for thousands of years who've tapped into it, but as a whole, the body of Christ has not walked in the glory that we've seen in the Word, we've seen the promise, but we don't see ourselves walking in it yet. And there is crying within our hearts a destiny spirit that says, I know that the things that are in the Word of God were meant to be fleshed out and lived. The things that are in the Bible were meant to be reality, not just some good, you know, theological ideas to kick around, but meant to be theologically concrete, not just abstract, something that I can actually put my teeth into and actually see it work and to discover for myself all things are possible because Jesus said so. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. How many of you think that perhaps God has a purpose for you that you haven't yet realized? There might be something more than even what your prophecies have said even what your dreams have said. Talk about limiting God. We do. We limit God. Years ago, there was a, a popular teaching went around and said, your God is too small. Your God is too small. I read things in the Word that, that intrigue me, that trouble me, that upset me. How about you? You read stuff on there and you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to be careful, I'll get ahead of myself. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. There is the truth of a purpose that is found in the scriptures. Things that we have not previously understood, even though they've been here for thousands of years. Things we haven't previously seen, we haven't understood. Things 
that when the prophets of old were get, began to speak them, it got their curiosity so up so much, they said they prophesied things, they had visions, they saw things, it became Holy Scripture, but they're like, I've got a lot of questions about that. And it says here that the prophets were wondering about the grace that was to come to you. We look back at Elisha, we look back at Elijah, and we think, man, what the prophets, they had this powerful thing going. I mean, you know, look at the miracles they did. Look at the way they communed with God. Look at the power they had. And it says they were intrigued by the grace that was coming to us. Now, remember, what is grace? Grace is God's power working on your behalf. They said, we've walked in a measure of power, but boy, there's something God's going to do with the, new ch with the church that is to come, with the recreated, the regenerate, born-again body of Christ. God's going to do something in the future that we don't grasp, we don't understand, and we would love to find out some more about. I mean, I'll tell you what, somebody, Ezekiel was deep. How many of you know Ezekiel was deep? There are some deep prophets in the Old Testament. Isn't that right? Can you imagine the things that the prophet Ezekiel experienced and him saying, man, there is stuff that God's going to do in the church that I would really love to understand. And it says the grace that was to come to you and then also look at the end of verse 11 and the glories that would follow. The prophets of old experienced phenomenal glory and power of God. I mean, these were God's showmen. If you wanted to see the supernatural power of God, you went to the prophets. I mean, they had it. They demonstrated it. But they said there is something to come in the glories that we would love to sink our teeth into, something we would love to have. How many of you know the Bible says we have a better covenant? It says we have one, but how many of us feel like that we aren't quite understanding it or walking in it? Because sometimes the guys in the old covenant seem to have, uh, you know, they seem to experience more power, more glory, more miracles than what we do. And the word declares we have a better covenant. It says that the prophets were longing to, the prophets who knew the ways of God were wanting to see this. And then it also says the angels longed to look into this. Angels who dwell in the holy presence of God, they are used to God. I mean, they're just used to God all the time in dimension that we aren't. Because all they've ever known is Almighty God. They've not known sin and limitations. All they've known is God. And when they saw what God was going to do in the church, they longed to understand that. There is something more powerful, more glorious that God has reserved for his church than what the angels have even seen, than what the prophets of old have even seen. Something that we haven't seen. And I want to begin to awaken you out of your brain fog, waking you up and say, there is a destiny prepared for you by Jesus Christ that we have not yet tapped into, that we have not yet seen. Now, turn real quickly to Acts chapter 24. Because there is a... When you start going into deeper realms of truth, it usually causes some kind of backlash or problem. How many of you know that you look in the Word of God and every time that God revealed new truth, it was met with opposition. There were those that loved it, but there were also those who opposed it. And in Acts chapter 24, 
verse 14, the King James Version, Paul speaking says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, something they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. When you start telling people you believe everything that's in the Bible, they will call you a heretic. You need to understand this. Look what he says in the next verse. And have hope towards God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. We are coming into a place of unprecedented power by the people of God. But when you start telling people what the Bible says, that you believe everything that's written in the Word of God, you believe what the prophets have declared, what they long to look into, what angels long to look into, when you tell them, I believe what the Bible says, they're going to call you a heretic. Who's going to call you a heretic? Other Christians are going to call you a heretic. They're going to call you New Age. They're going to call you a heretic because all you're doing is believing the Bible. Let me tell you, this is the truth. Many of us were brought up in... Christian homes that did not believe in present truth, did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did not believe in healing, did not believe in miracles, etc., etc. When you realize those things were true, and you begin to tell other people, man, Jesus heals today. I believe in miracles. I believe in visions. People started calling you heretic. Some of us have been called heretics for simply believing what the Word of God declares. So we need to be established in truth. That's what the Word says in Peter. To be established established in truth because when you get established in truth it doesn't matter when you get called a heretic because you're going to stand firm in the truth which you have believed the bible says you are not to be easily shaken most time when christians get shaken is because they haven't spent enough time being rooted and grounded in the word of god now there many times we'll go through things where there'll be a challenge to what you believe I believe it's good from time to time to get challenged. I mean strongly challenged in what you believe. But you need to be able to handle the Word of God skillfully and be able to say what is truth and what is error. And the only way you're going to do that is by the Spirit of truth and by the written Word of God. And there are things that God is going to bring the body of Christ into that a lot of people are going to call heresy. But join the club. That's what they told Paul. They said, Paul, you're a heretic because you believe in the thing. He says, I'm only believing what the Bible says. I'm not trying to shake you up, but you know what? You need to have your eyes open. All right? Now, just tell you something real interesting. Um, Chris and I were talking at the house the other day, and we were talking about physics. Now, Chris probably knows a lot more about physics than what I do. I tried to drop physics when I was in high school. My teacher wouldn't let me. You know, but I do remember a few things from those math science classes back many years ago. And maybe you will too <laughs> while we get to talking about this. I don't know if we have any physicists in the room, but anyway, you have, well then you'll know that I'm right. Okay. Chris and I were talking the other night about, about dimensions, physics and talking about dimensions. You've got your first dimension, your second dimension, your third, et cetera, dimensions. And, and the thing that we were talking about was that higher dimensions are not restricted like lower dimensions. For example, you know, the first two dimensions, one of them is, is horizontal, one of them is vertical. I forget which is which. Lines. It's like flat drawing on a piece of paper. You know, a line this way, a line that way. You could draw a, 
You could draw a man and you could draw his heart and his lungs and everything on a, with a flat drawing. It's still going to be two-dimensional, right? A third-dimensional person can reach into, because we are third dimensions, because we have height, width, depth, and you could reach into a second-dimensional creature and you could pull out something without breaking the lines, without violating his dimension, right? You could take your eraser and you could go right in there and you could erase his little heart and lungs, what have you. Now, what's, what Chris and I were saying was, Chris said to me, that also means a fourth-dimensional creature could reach into you and could change something within you and not break you, violate you, or whatever, because, see, it's a higher level of dimensions. Now, these are laws of physics. God, who is the author of physics and understands it. <laughs> the, the higher dimensions are not subject to the lower dimensions. And I get confused when you get past third dimension. I get confused past that. I don't know. I know there's all the arguments. It's time. It's not time. It's this. It's that. All I know is I understand the third dimension, okay? I understand that's where we're at, okay? But I also know that we call it the natural realm. This is the concrete realm where I can put out and I can touch. These things are three-dimensional. But God is spirit, and he doesn't live in this dimension. He lives in the higher dimension. So do angels. So do demons. There is a higher dimension that means that they are not subject to the same laws and restrictions that mankind is subject to because they live in a higher dimension. They live in the realm of heaven. We talk about them being glorified. We talk about how angels can, you know, Jesus walked through walls. Third dimensional walls didn't restrict him. He just overrode them. The wall was still there. He didn't break the wall down. He didn't violate the dimensions of the wall. He just superseded it. He just went over it. He said, I thought I was coming to church, not coming to physics class. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know what? I'll tell you what, you need to learn to use your brain. God gave you a brain, you need to use it. And, that don't, and when you graduate high school, that is not when you quit learning. That's my little soapbox right there. You need to be learning all of your life. People who don't learn all their lives get old. Their brains atrophy. <laughs> the youngest people I know are those who are still learning. Isn't that right, Marlene? Yeah, yeah. I mean it. She's a student. She's learning all the time. All right. Now, the spiritual dimension is a higher dimension. Therefore, it's not restricted to natural law. That's how come miracles are easy for God. Because he's not bound by all this stuff. That's how come Jesus can walk on water. You see, natural law says you can't walk on water. All Jesus did was appropriate a higher law from another dimension, and he walked on water. There are higher laws. For example, the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. How can airplanes fly? Higher law. The law of lift, right? And aerodynamics and other stuff. There are higher laws. Let me show you something really exciting. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. While you're turning to Colossians, you must also understand that time is a creation of God. 
Eternity has, eternity has no beginning and no end. Eternity has no beginning and has no end. That's how come you'll never be God, because you have a beginning. Okay? God has no beginning. He is eternal. All right? Time is his creation. God created time, and he put the world in time, and he put you and me, and we live in time. But God's not restricted to that. God can go back into your past and heal your memories. God can go into your future and make provision for you. God is not restricted by time. He just works all the way around every how he needs to because it's his tool. He is not restricted by time. Because time is something that belongs to the natural realm. Time belongs to the natural realm. It does not belong to the spiritual realm. Time is part of this group of dimensions. First, second, third, whatever it is. Time is part of this dimension. That's why God can say, I am that I am. Not I was that I was. I am that I am because to God there's always now didn't Jesus say that he said God is the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he said he is the God of the living not the dead because to God everybody's alive they're dead to you and me but they're not dead to God because he always lives in I am right now because he doesn't live in the restrictions of the natural world like you and I live I know, order tape. It's going to make your brain hurt. I know. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. With this in mind, look at your Bible. Colossians 2, verse 6. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Restricted to the basic principles of the world. Look at the next verse. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. If you've received Jesus as Lord, he says, grow up in him. You know why? Because Jesus is not restricted to the natural realm, and he is our Savior, of course. But we're to grow up in him and to learn from him. When Jesus walked on this planet, and he had to cross the water. And there was no boat because the boat left. And he had to walk across the water. What did he do? Basically, it's like, water, hold me up. And he just walks. And he goes across it. Because he was not limited. Even though he lived in a physical body, ate physical food, got tired and slept and lived as a man, he had access to this whole other dimension. And so he wasn't restricted by natural law. And so when the basic principles of this world said you're going to have to swim, 
you have to wait for another boat, or you're going to have to take the long way and walk on the shore. He just overrode it and says, I think I'll tap into the dimension of the Spirit, and I'll walk on the water because it's a straight shot to where I want to go. When Jesus saw that the crowds were hungry for three days, they'd been there without food, and he said, do you have any food? And they said, oh, we've got one kid's sack lunch. He said, bring it to me. And Jesus took the basic elements of the bread and the fish, and he accessed a realm of the Spirit that says all matter is created the same basic atomic, atomic thank you, substance, the same molecules, the same atoms. How many of you know that the same, that the Bible says Adam was made from dirt? Your lunch today was made from dirt? Why? It's the same molecules. It's just changed the form. And through a natural process, your, the dirt became the cow, became the hamburger that you ate. Okay? Does this make sense to you? Yeah. Are you seeing? So when Jesus took somebody's lunch and multiplied, basically all you're doing is rearranging the molecules that are already in the earth, creating, multiplying what was already there. The provision is there. What some call heresy, I believe the things that are in the Bible. See, everything you need is already in the planet. God has richly given us everything the Word of God says. It may need to change form. That's where the creative power of God comes in, and that comes through the miraculous. Jesus tapped into the miraculous and said, this food needs to multiply. It needs to grow. And who knows? Maybe, it's just the, maybe the atoms of the air around the food just rearrange. I don't know what happened. But I know that it multiplied by the power of God because Jesus accessed a higher realm. He accessed the realm of the Spirit. Now, it says the basic principles of the world in verse 8, rather than on Christ. You've got to get your theology out of the Bible. The Bible says we are to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, who transcends both the natural and the spiritual realm. He is our lifeline. He is the vine, and we are the branches. That means his life and his power is flowing through us that we might bear the fruit, right? And I'm not just talking about love, joy, peace, and patience. I'm talking about the fruit of miracles the fruit of healing, the fruit of the supernatural power of God. Because we're hooked up with Him, it begins to flow through us. As we learn, as we learn to believe the things the Bible says are true. Now, the basic principle is this world rather than on Christ. It says don't, don't be kept captive through philosophy. You know, there's a lot of good religious teaching that says, you know, that you can't do anything. There's a lot of good religious teaching that talks about you should just be nice. You should just be sweet and try to stay out of sin until Jesus comes. That's all he wants. I don't read that in my Bible. I read that Jesus wants us to bear fruit, mm -hmm. that he has put his stamp, his mark upon us, and that we need to be doing the works that Jesus did and greater works is what he said. I know y'all have read this in your Bible for years, but I want to breathe life on it in a new way to you tonight. Look. 
The vain, the deceptive, the hollow philosophy depends on human tradition. There are things in human tradition that said there's only so far you can go in God. How many of you ever heard, if you've ever been divorced, you can only go so far in God? You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're female, you can only go so far in God. If you're a child, you can only go so far in God. There's violations of that stuff all the way through the Bible, and I love it. Because, see, God puts those little examples all through the Word of God so that you and I will have hope for our situation, for what we want to do. And I'll tell you, I read stuff in there that I'm thinking, how come he got to do that and I don't? If God's no respecter of persons. There are some levels of walking with God that I want to tap into, that I believe are my destiny and purpose. Now, with all that having been said, look down at verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? God, does anybody else get that? <laughs> why are you submitted to the rules of this life? If you've died to it, why aren't you accessing that higher realm all the time as though you belong to it? You don't belong here. Understand you're a citizen of heaven. You've been born again, recreated in the image of God. You're not supposed to be an ordinary person. Man, I'm getting excited about this. You're supposed to be living as Jesus on the planet that if you need to walk on water, you do. I want to access this so I don't spend a day and a half at the airport. <laughs> I'm serious. If Philip could get translated from one spot to another, then I could save myself a lot of money and a lot of time and be about my father's business. We pro I prophesy to you, we are coming to a time when there's going to be some people going to get this and they're going to walk in such phenomenal power and anointing of God. It's going to cause persecution. It's going to cause turmoil. It's going to cause upheaval. And we're going to become dangerous to the enemy. And the, Lord's going to, and the Lord is going to pour out His glory in a people who are unashamed to be called the brothers of God. Because, see, our life is not our own. We're bought with a price. It is nevertheless, I don't live, but he lives. Jesus is living through me. And I'll tell you what's the, what's the truth. We, are, we have been, let's play, pitiful. Pitiful excuses for the life and power of God living through us. I'm telling you, if I'm only reading you what's in the Bible. Why are we living as though we were subject to its rules? Um, <laughs> this stuff just gets me, I'm telling you. Oh, oh man. In Isaiah 46, the Lord says in verse 9, he says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. Now that's an important point to remember. When we get into, as the church begins to grow in revelation of who we are, you know, they did the same thing in the book of Acts. People are going to try to elevate you above what you're called, above your position in Christ. But for the most part, we have been so far beneath what we've been called to that any time somebody starts accessing the spiritual dimension, believing what the Word of God says about who they are and what they can do, we go, oh! Ooh, ah. 
and we build idols. And God has said it's supposed to be the body of Christ walking in this place. You see, the Word of God teaches us that we are to disciple nations. Disciple nations. Teach people how to live. That is your purpose and calling, just as Jesus did. He showed up on the earth to disciple the nation of Israel. He showed up with the truth, with the life, with the power, in the Word of God. A person's message was verified as true by the miracles, by the signs, by the wonders. You go to any church, and how many of them verify that what they preach is true? By signs and wonders and miracles. That's the Bible way. And you start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, and people start going, oh, that's out of balance, that's overemphasis. That's how the Bible is. It's not just truth, but it's truth confirmed, verified, documented by the power of God showing up. And we're not supposed to be in such shock and surprise when it happens. There's a place we're coming to in God that what is today seen as extraordinary will be seen as ordinary. I'm tapping into this. I'm getting there. And understand it doesn't come by pride. It doesn't come by you striving. It comes by becoming like Jesus. Being conformed to his image. Believe in his word and what he said is the truth. Submitted unto God, resisting the devil. Faith works by love, guys. It doesn't work by knowledge. It works by love. Knowledge is what gives you an understanding of what you can believe God for, of what God wants to do. But faith doesn't work because you've got a lot of head knowledge and you can quote a lot of verses. Faith works by love, the word of God says. Why do you think God's been focusing upon character so much last while? He's been focusing upon humility so strong. Why? Because he's going to bring us into a place that humility is necessary for walking in this kind of anointing, in this kind of co-laboring and partnership with the Lord. We've said we're joint heirs with Christ, but are we really? I'm coming into a place where, God, we're going to be on the same team in everything. We're going to be business partners in the earth in the family business of discipling nations, of creation. That's the family business. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am God, he says, there is none like me. In Isaiah 46, verse 10, the Lord says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. My purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God is going to have his purpose, and he's going to have a group of people with destiny's spirit. He's going to have a group of people who will defy the religious people who say that's heresy, who are going to stand up and say, I just believe what the Bible tells me. And when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ, when the Bible says all things are possible, then I just believe it's telling me the truth. And begin to walk in a new level of reality of Jesus Christ living within me. In the natural realm, the natural dimensions, we are restricted and limited by what we perceive, what we see as truth. Now we understand, we've talked about this before, that your human eye was only made to perceive 3% of the light spectrum. That means only 3% of what is reality is all that you can see. 
God has designed it that way on purpose. God has designed it that you can only see 3% of what's going on. Why do you think that is? Because he wants you to walk by faith. I was talking to Chris about this the other night. I said, do you know that arrogance is basing what you call truth upon 3% that you can see? Now, from the point of view of there's being 100% of truth, I see 3%. You know, it's kind of like when they do the elections. We've got 3% of the polls in, and we're projecting so-and-so the winner. That stuff always irritates me. Does it irritate anybody else? I'm thinking 3% of the polls? I mean, what good is that? But we do that. We base what the truth is upon what I saw, what was, a sh what was shown to me, what I, what I believe, what I experienced. 3%. Do you know what humility is? Saying the truth is found in that 97%. Do you know the smartest thing you can do is to walk by faith? Because when you walk by faith, it's based upon the 97% you can't see. That is the smartest thing a person can do. Boy, I hit a religious devil with that one. Now, we talk about, I'm talking about a reality of genuine existence. There's 100% of genuine existence reality. Do you remember the story of when Elijah and his servant were sitting and, uh, and the army was crowding in on them and the servant started to have a panic attack and, oh, here comes the, you know, the Syrians or whoever. They're going to destroy us. It's going to take his way captive. And Elisha prays in 2 Kings chapter 6. He doesn't even get up. I mean, look out the window or nothing. He just says, God, open his eyes. He, can't, he can only see the 3% of reality, which means the Syrian army is coming in on us. All he sees is this 3%. God, would you open his eyes so that he may see? And the Bible says the Lord opened his eyes and he got a glimpse of 97% of reality and he saw the hillsides were covered with the army of the Lord. And he just took a deep breath and relaxed. Because see, 97%, Elisha didn't have to see. It doesn't say he saw it. But he was walking by faith. He knew it was there. And he said, this guy is being led by his 3% that he sees. God show him the 97%. It doesn't mean that God created the armies of heaven. It means they were there and he showed them to them. Now see, that's the thing. It's there already, but you may not be seeing it. But it's 97% of reality. God has designed it that we walk in this way. One of the people, one of the people in the Bible that really intrigues me is Enoch. You've read about Enoch. There's only a few verses in the Word of God about him in the book of Genesis and in the book of Hebrews. Enoch was born before Abraham, before the law, before the scriptures, before the prophet. I mean, he was born up there prior to everything. All Enoch knew about God was what he observed in the natural world and what he heard his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpappy Adam tell him about God was all that he knew. The Bible says that when he was 65 years old, that he began, he had a son, and it says he began to walk with God. 
and for 300 years it says he walked with God until one day it says God took him God just took him out of the natural realm it does not say he died he did not die he just left the planet he went to go live in another dimension he didn't die he didn't cease to exist he just changed his home address to a different dimension And I always, I look at, you know, guys like that in the Bible, and I think, wow, isn't that special? Isn't that unique? I mean, Enoch, I mean, what a guy to know God and to walk in that kind of dimension. I mean, you just kind of ooh and ah, isn't that wonderful? I mean, men, nobody like Enoch, right? Why not? Why not anybody like Enoch? Why did they include that little bit of information in the scriptures anyway? One of the wonderful things that we have learned with the prophetic is that what God reveals to one person, it's like the pioneer point on the tip of the spear that God is wanting to bring the rest of us into wholesale. And so whereas in times past we had an occasional person who prophesied, what God wants to do is to bring us to where you may all prophesy. And where we had one person who was a Benny Hinn or Oral Roberts, God wants to bring in the wholesale body of Christ that the gifts of the Spirit are flowing in, right? Mm -hmm. What was unique for one individual, God wants to bring it into an open revelation for the body of Christ. And we've got to quit saying, well, that was somebody special way back when because we have a better covenant. i got news for you. Enoch didn't even have a covenant with God. You do. Enoch didn't have the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of him. You do. Enoch tapped into something, though, that we would say he was ahead of his time. I always find it interesting, those people who are ahead of their time. People who are ahead of their time wind up becoming forerunners. They wind up being the prototype for those who come after them. If somebody is ahead of his time, that means that that's a place we can reach ourselves. It's like they do that with runners. You know, you have a sprinter or somebody who breaks the so many minute mile. Nobody breaks it. I don't even know what it's up to now. But nobody is able to break that speed for a long time. I mean, they try and they try and try, and then one guy does it. What happens immediately? Bam, 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 bam. A whole bunch of guys immediately come in and they break and they have to set a new record a new standard because the old one has been broken because one person went forth and then the rest came in behind and now they run faster now than they ran 100 years ago why i mean we even got junk food now they didn't even have junk food back then <laughs> it's like what's going on what happened one person one person refused to be limited by natural limitations one person said i think i can overcome that i think i can supersede that one person broke it and made way for a whole group of people. That is a pioneer spirit. That is what we are about, is to make a way for other people to come in. And, but we've got to go somewhere first, folks. You can't, go, you can't leave people where you had not been. And so I'm going to get up to this place of getting translated. I'm getting to this place of walking with God as Enoch did. Because there is coming a whole generation of people who are going to be a generation like Enoch. A generation who are not restricted and limited to by lower dimensions. A people who walk with God in a new place. I tell you, he saw a future reality.
Enoch, in his conversations and the time he spent with God, God who is not restricted by time, God who calls the end of a thing from the beginning, God who's able to show, this is what I'm doing in the plan of redemption, Enoch. Let me show you what's coming down the road. Let me show you some stuff I'm going to reveal the prophets in a couple of hundred years. The prophets are going to prophesy some things about the, the bride of Christ coming up in the, you know, in the 21st century. Let me show you what I'm going to do. And Enoch said, I think I want to walk in that now. All Enoch did was get there before us. It was not exclusive to him. He got there first. He saw something that was future, and he walked in it. This principle happens over and over in the Word. Give you another example. King David. King David was a worshiper. The Bible says a man for God's own heart. When King David was on the earth, the only acceptable form of worship was the Mosaic tabernacle. You got your lamb. You brought it to the priest. They killed it. You brought your blood. The priest, you know, went into the holy place, and then he went and he took the blood once a year to the most holy place and sprinkled the ark, right? And you couldn't even get all the way in there. David said, you know what? The power and the presence of God is in the ark. I'll just take the ark. How he did this without dropping dead is a miracle to me. He violated every last one of the Mosaic law because he saw some future reality that we were supposed to have the veil torn and come and worship God in spirit and truth. And, and David says, I'll take the ark. And he took the ark out. I mean, I thought about it. He left everything else there. I thought, you know, he left all the brazen balls. I mean, he left everything and said, I'll just take the ark. It always amazes me that God didn't strike him dead for that because the priest couldn't even go in there improperly or they would drop dead. Remember? That's why they tied the rope around their foot to drag them out because if you missed it just one smidgen, you were history. And David saw something future and decided to make it a present reality. He did the same thing. He and his men were hungry. They went to the priest one day. You got any food? All we have is the temple showbread. It's only authorized, it's only legal for the priests to eat it. David said, we're all kings and priests in the God. Pass the bread. <laughs> they did it and they didn't drop dead. How is this possible? Because David was seeing something, a future reality, that we were to be kings and priests unto our God, to come into his presence to partake of those things. You see, you could walk up to the ark of God and you could touch it and it would not harm you. You can eat the showbread right now and it wouldn't hurt you because there is a present reality that we're walking in. But see, David didn't have that, but he was ahead of his time. Enoch was ahead of his time. I'm telling you, ahead of his time does not mean exclusionary. It means something that was destined for this generation, which the prophets and the angels longed to look into. It is humility to believe and to accept what God has said about himself, to believe and accept what he said about us, to believe and accept what he said about truth. It is being humble to allow yourself to be conformed to his image, not only in character, but in power. <coughs> the Bible says that now we are the sons of God. Have you ever read that? Now we are the sons of God. 
the sons of God, Jesus, the son of God. That puts you and he in a similar category when you think. He is the firstborn of many brethren. What he has purchased for us, we have not been walking in. We have limited it to him, to the occasional Enoch, to the occasional David, the occasional Ezekiel. And we've not believed everything the law and the prophets have said about who we are being rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 11, verse 5. The King James Version says, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we're going to access the higher dimensions and walk as the sons of God, you've got to come in faith. You come beating yourself up with a lot of rejection, a lot of unworthiness, you're not going to get anything. You, can, you come in there with a lot of arrogance, and I can get this by my own power and strength, and you're not going to get anything. You're going to come by faith. You're going to come by humility. You're going to come by love. And you're going to walk in a level of things you haven't walked in. We have tapped into this a little bit every now and then. We've talked about this in the gifts of the Spirit, how that you can be in a place of, of striving, for example, striving and striving to prophesy. You believe the Word of God says it's available to you. You've studied it. You've got yourself in a place where you want to, and you strive and you strive and you strive to prophesy. You been there? There comes a place when you finally hit a place of knowing and being in the zone, a place where it just flows out of you. And people say, how do you do that? Well, I don't know exactly how I do that. I know that somehow I just believed that I could. I opened my mouth, and there it was. And you know what? When you're in that place, there's rest. There may be intensity, there may be volume, but there is rest. There's no fear, there's no worrying about it. You just open your mouth and you flow. You hit a higher dimension because you know it's not you. You know, forget, that's a dead argument. Well, is it you or is it God? When you hit that place, that's not an argument because you already know what you're capable of. Not much, right? You already know that. But in humility... You receive with meekness the engrafted word, the Bible says, which is able to save your soul, to bring you into the fullness of salvation. You just get to a point to where you quit arguing with it and you just do it. This is how the gifts of the Spirit operate. But you have to labor to enter into rest. There is a place of struggling to get there. But so many of us don't even struggle anymore. But I want to struggle to get there. I want to struggle and I want to get to the point of God. I want to understand what it is to walk with you so I can get translated. I want to understand what it is to walk with you so I can be as Jesus was on the earth. Amen. So much of the time we have put all this stuff in the future. Well, God, you know, one day. God, someday in the sweet by and by, the glorious church, one of these days, what's wrong with now? 
We can sit here and we can go one of these days, one of these days, and you can be 15 years, one of these days, someday, someday, waiting on God, waiting on God, someday. Baloney, what's wrong with right now? What is holding you back, if not the limitations of the natural world? If it's not believing that you're still subject to other things that you can see, taste, touch, smell, that's what's limiting you right now because you don't think you can do it. Why don't you think you can do it? Because you're basing your reality upon 3% of what you can see. You're not based upon the Word of God. Because when you believe the Word of God, faith arises. Faith sees the end. Faith sees what God wants to do and says, I believe I'm going to bring that into the reality of right now. Isn't that true? Faith. How does faith operate? You believe in your heart. You speak with your mouth. You see something that is not yet and you call it in. The Bible says faith calls those things that are not as though they were. Faith calls something from the other dimension into my present reality, into the here and now. We don't need it in the sweet by and by. We need it in the nasty here and now. Right? Five minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Five minutes. I'm going to hit a stopping place and catch it later. I'm telling you, limiting thinking is all this stuff that's going to be in the future. you got to quit living in the future. A lot of people live in the past, but I know a lot of Christians live in the future. One of these days, one of these days, one of these days. Well, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting. You're going to die waiting. You need to get with it now. These things are available. The prophets of old are looking at the church saying, why don't they get it? We prophesied it. We wrote it. Why don't they believe what the Word of God says? I mean, none of us had that much Bible. <laughs> we got more Bible than any other generation. There's more revelation than any other generation, and we're doing less with it than any other generation. God is waking up the church and says, Are you going to be a heretic for me? Are you going to believe the things that are in here and quit believing the 3% that you've grown up with all your life, all you've been taught, why it won't work? I'm telling you what, Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. God wants to open our eyes to some truth, to bring us into some present reality. To show us that no longer are we meant to be restricted and limited by the natural realm. We have a destiny spirit, folks. We have a destiny spirit. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that the eyes of our heart will be enlightened in order that we would know the hope to which you have called us. The riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. God, I just pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will blow on us and blow away all the brain fog. God, open our eyes to begin to see the, the future realities that you want to bring into our now. Lord God, we want to be a people who are called those ahead of our time. Although it's really not. It's really our time to walk as sons of God. <coughs> Father, God, we just ask you, Lord, to forgive us, God, that we have limited you. God, we've limited ourselves. We've explained away all the reasons why the things in the Bible weren't working for us today. 
God, we've, we've based truth upon the 3% that we could see. And I ask you, Father God, to forgive us for being short-sighted, for having an overdose of negative mentality and, and, and false humility, that, God, that we have not dared to believe the things written in the Law and the Prophets. Father, I just ask you to forgive us, God. But I ask you, Lord God, to give us a spirit of revelation. God, give us a spirit of revelation that, God, that we can behold the truth that's in your word. Give us a heart to know and to pursue truth. That, God, that we may fulfill your heart's desire for the overcoming glorious church. Lord Jesus, that your life flows through us. That we bear a lot of fruit. Oh, Father, we want you to be glorified in us. Thank you, Lord. God, we want to please you with our faith. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Father, I also just thank you for the examples of Enoch and the examples of David, the examples of Elisha, and these people who began to tap in to that higher dimension and showed us where we can go in God. Father, we receive the spirit of revelation and truth. Lord, give us a love for the truth that will cause us to no longer be satisfied with anything less than what you have already declared over us in your word. Father, we worship you. You are God alone. You're only God. Jesus, you're the only way, the only truth, the only life. We worship you. You're our Lord and our Savior. And we submit ourselves under your lordship. God, we submit our thinking, we submit our reasoning, we submit our attitudes and mindsets under the authority of your word. Wash us with your word and give us courage tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.